Today we're continuing the sermon series that we started last Sunday. And the sermon series is entitled, I Am Yours. And today is the first day that we have actually had uh, our online audience and we're streaming this service today officially and we'll be streaming for uh, many weeks, months and years to come. So we're very thankful for all of the good work that has gone in and we especially want to welcome those who are tuning in today uh, online. Welcome to Lover's Lane. Today we're going to be addressing another one of the I Am sayings of John. And last week we talked about I am the good shepherd. This week I am the way and the truth and the life. I think what we hear when we hear Jesus say I am the way, the truth, and the life is that we hear a word from the Lord that gets at an innate need that each and every one of us has. And that is a need to know where we are going. One of the most important chapters in all of the Bible is Jesus' words in John's gospel, the 14th chapter. It's such a beloved chapter because we often hear it read and read it at funeral services or memorial services because it brings us so much comfort. I read it just this past week at a memorial service. And, you know, aside from the 23rd Psalm, I don't know that there's a passage that I've read more than John 14. But today, we're going to be looking at the truth of those words. I am the way, the truth, and the life. So if you'll turn with me to John's gospel, the 14th chapter, we're going to read the first seven verses. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. I want to read one more verse. I want us to skip over to the verse that speaks about peace. The 27th. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
Psychiatrist Paul Tournier opens one of his most popular books with these words. Basically, we are always looking for a place, for somewhere to be. You know, I think the good doctor's right in saying that, that we're always looking for a place, somewhere to be. In fact, I think that's our our longing from the very first breath that we breathe to the very last breath that we breathe. We're looking for that place, perhaps that place we call home. The 14th chapter of John is so popular and is so comforting, especially at the time of death, because it speaks about a place. Let not your hearts be troubled, Jesus said, in my father's house or many rooms and I am going there to prepare a place for you now what Jesus is saying to his closest disciples and therefore we as his disciples the church today need to hear this he's speaking personally to you and to me And this is what I believe about that place that he's talking about. I think this is a bedrock belief for the church. Jesus is talking about a place that he has prepared and providing a place for you, a place to be, a place where there's plenty good room, as the old spiritual says. You know, I like to figuratively think of this place or heaven, as we call it, as a place where the welcome mat is always out and the front door is open wide for us. You know, there's nothing about heaven that suggests a narrow and limited access. It's big enough to receive all of those who've come before us. It's big enough to receive all those who will come after us. And and in dwelling places here, we sometimes see a, a no vacancy light on, but not so in heaven. There's never a no vacancy light. In fact, I think if there's a light at all, my understanding of heaven says you are welcome. And, and let there be no anxiety about our eternal home, our eternal place. That's what Jesus is getting at. Peace I leave with you, he said. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. And neither let them be afraid. You know, I believe this eternal place that Jesus describes to us is really all about relationships. He's not talking about pearly gates or golden streets or welcome hats or or signs that say you're welcome. Not really. What Jesus is talking about is relationships and an aspect of peace that we experience like we would never know here. We will be in the presence of God and we believe by faith we'll be in the presence of others in that place prepared for us. Separation will be no more and pain will disappear. The place prepared is a a place in the presence of Jesus himself. He says that, where I am, you shall also be. And if we believe this, then we can look forward to this peace and this assurance and and in this place that he has prepared for us. You know, eternal life, I want to say today that 
that, that eternal life that we, we consider regarding this place is something that we look forward to when this life here is over. But John 14 is not just about a place that is in the sweet by and by. John 14 is speaking about a resurrection that we experience in the here and now, a relationship that we have with Christ in the here and now, a peace that he wants to bring us now, as well as in its fullness and in in its perfection in heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You know, oftentimes I think we read those words and our our minds first go to who's in and who's out, don't they? I mean, if Jesus said that no one comes to the Father except by me, then we, we, we normally think who's in and who's out then? But I think the meaning of this verse is much deeper than that. The meaning of this I am saying of John is causing you and me, the disciples of old, the disciples today, to think in terms of what does it mean for us to follow Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. I think it means that we look forward to his love and experiencing it now. And not only experiencing it for ourselves, but to be able to pass that love on to others as the way, as the truth, as the life. It's to have that deep-seated conviction that Christ himself had for us that everybody needs a place. Amen? Everybody needs a place. I was ordained in 1983, I think shortly uh, after that picture was taken that you see on your, on your flyer today. And, and I've been in the ministry for 35 years. Do the math. 1983, 35 years. And one aspect of life and faith with you here at Lover's Lane that you've helped me get clear about is about the importance of creating a place where everybody has a place and a place that not only is about mission, but is about where we're going and a preferred future. You know, we've talked a lot about a mission statement. We've had a mission statement here for some time that we really do love. Most all of us could say it together. And a mission statement is about what we do. And we say that we are loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ here at Lover's Lane. Loving all people into relationship with Jesus Christ. We're clear about our mission. Now, when the United Methodist Church adopted a mission statement some years ago, we got all excited that we were going to be focused on what we do. And the United Methodist mission statement is making disciples of Jesus Christ. And, you know, wow, I think Jesus said that 2,000 years ago in the Great Commission, that we're making disciples uh, for the and, and we've said for the transformation of the world as United Methodists. We added a little bit to our mission. And, and, and we're so excited about what we do. But I think that sometimes the church's um, mistake has been that we've been focused so much on what we do that we haven't really given much thought to where we're going. And I think that maybe the larger denomination has also fallen into the trap of being consumed by what we do and not really giving much thought to where we're going. 
A mission statement needs a vision, and a vision needs a dream, a compelling dream that moves us into the future to a place that we are not now, but a place to where we are going. You know, you go into Watson Hall today and you see displayed there our mission and our vision. And right in the center, there's displayed there our dream, which is where we as a congregation decided some years ago, this is where God's taking us. This is the place where we're going. Now, the dream statement's a little long for us to memorize, so we need to read it, and we need to read it over and over and over again. And I like to say about a vision or a a dream that if the dream doesn't make you smile a little or laugh out loud, it's probably not God-sized. Probably just your dream and not God's dream. It needs to be a big dream. It needs to be a compelling lure into the future. Now, listen to what we said and agreed to some years ago. By God's grace, following the resurrected Lord and empowered by the Holy Spirit, we dream that with humility, courage, and authenticity, we will worship God in multiple dynamic venues across the metroplex. Baptize as an experience of God's unconditional love. Engage the Bible in hundreds of classes and groups become a sacred harmony of thousands of God's children. Serve tens of thousands in all are precious in his sight, passion, and love all people into relationship with Jesus. Why do we dream like this? Why do we talk about a place where we believe the Holy Spirit is, 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 is taking our church into the future? A, a mission that is about loving all and a vision that is about being one diverse community, passionately engaging the Bible, uplifting Jesus in worship and loving service and challenging in love that which divides Isn't our passion, isn't our purpose because we do wholeheartedly believe what Jesus said, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that's the way we come to know the Father through his love? Isn't that why we desire to create such a place with God's help and through God's grace? Because we believe what Jesus said to us? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's not about who's in and who's out. It's about firing up the troops. It's about you and me and getting excited about what that means to you and your faith in the now. Not just about where it's taking you into the future, into eternity. But how we experience that resurrected love now. You know, Jesus is all about, through the power of the Holy Spirit, enabling and empowering his people to create loving places. Henry Nouwen, the great theologian, says, We are people who have an address, but are seldom home. We have houses, some of them quite elaborate, but do we have homes, places of safety, 
centers of love, and communities of acceptance? Wow. That's a good question for the church. Do we have homes, places of safety, centers of love, communities of acceptance? Robert Frost said, Home is a place where when you go there, they have to take you in. I think the Bible says it just a little bit differently. I think the Bible says home is a place where when you go there, they want to take you in. And the church is called to be home for the world in need. A place where when you go there, they want to take you in. You know, Jesus told that paramount uh, parable of the prodigal son and how the, the two sons and the one is wayward and he leaves. And, and when he returns home after wasting all of his inheritance and living a life that was so disappointing and dishonoring. The father is seen in our mind's eye shouting as the son comes down the road. Welcome home, my child. Come on in. Come back. Welcome home. We're so glad to see you. We've missed you so much. That should be the passion of the church. Because we know what the Christ, the way, the truth, and the life has done for us. And we want to share that good news with others. You know, when I think about 20 years as pastor at Lover's Lane, I hope we've learned a lot together. And I hope we've learned we're called to create a loving place and to live into the long-standing statement that we used to have on our signs and now we have it above every entrance. You are what? Welcome. We've created some beautiful space here in the last several years. Our buildings and gardens are beautiful now, and they're so attractive and so compelling and so warm. But I hope we see that the greatest accomplishments together has been that the space that we have created, this place that we love so much, is a place from which ministry and outreach and love and kindness of the way, the truth, and the life extends to the world. You know, yesterday, um, a few of our pastors and I had the privilege of going up to Lake Texoma to our camp there called Prothrow. And our confirmands, our young seventh graders, were having their retreat, as is their custom, about this time of year. And I want to tell you, that may be the most uh, diverse confirmation class in North Dallas gathered there. When it was my time to teach, I just had to go around the room and I had to say, where were your, your parents born? <laughs> and so many different countries represented, so many different states in the United States represented a truly diverse and loving group of kids honored to be their pastor. You know, the last few years we've, um, we've been seeing our, our diversity grow in our children's and youth department. And it's caused me to remember that once upon a time, we made a very conscious choice. And that conscious choice was to open the doors increasingly to African people. 
many of whom were refugees at the time. We told Peter Wieto's story, a man from Liberia who'd been a member here since 1985. I remember the day that we had another influx of refugees come to Lover's Lane, and there was one family, the Neal family, Augustine Neal. And in Liberia, Augustine's tribe and Peter's tribe, they were warring tribes. They were literally killing each other, hated each other. And when Augustine came into this church, I'll never forget Peter embracing him and saying, my brother, what happened in Liberia is past. We are building a fellowship of love here and things have changed. Wow. And those two men I've seen in these 15 or 16 years that I've witnessed their friendship develop. Very closely. Their families come together. And then a a short time later, there was a group of Zimbabweans that they wanted to come here to Lover's Lane. We opened our doors to the Zimbabwean fellowship. And now we look back and we see that the love and the welcome that we have extended from this place has changed our congregation. And when you see it in our youth program, in our children's program, you see that there's more going on than just learning what's in the curriculum. There's a learning that's deeper. There's a love that's broader. There's a message that is so important. I remember when we made the conscious choice to address the growing number of people dealing with with sexual addictions. I remember Bob Dickin, he came to me and he said, uh, Stan, there's some groups that want to move to uh, the CSD and you know they're of a different nature than most of our other uh, addiction groups and the addiction is, is, um, is really related to sex. And when we said yes to those groups, we saw our 12th step ministry grow from what was six groups to 12 groups and then it exploded. And now it has 87 different groups of dealing with all kinds of addictions. And when I talk to people, when I talk to people who come from across the street over here, some of you are here today, I hear over and over and over again that place saved my life. Everybody's needing a place. When two parents came forward and said that they hadn't been able to worship together, hadn't been able to have Holy Communion together since their son with special needs, little Austin was born. Melissa Howen, who is our children's director, she heard that and she tapped on Steve Anglin's shoulder and and Melinda uh, Powell as well. And before we knew it, we had a shadow. Steve was shadowing little Austin on Sunday mornings into Sunday school while his parents could come in here to worship. And who knew that our special needs ministry that grew so into a wonderful shadowing ministry and then to a respite program called Rays of Light. And now Rays of Light has extended on Friday nights here and Friday nights on the west side of town at Christ Foundry and the east side of town at White Rock United Methodist Church. And there are others modeling what we're doing here. It is amazing 
But it all happened because we knew everybody needs a place. We made a decision to start baptizing people. Some of them were refugees, church refugees, not refugees from other countries, but people who felt like that they weren't welcome anymore in the church. They heard about this church's acceptance and welcome, and they started coming here, and people were being baptized, many of them young people who had disconnected with the church, who had given up on the church until they tested the love here and the welcome here. And the acceptance here. Everybody needs a place. And when we first started signing right down here, signing our our services on Sunday morning, we saw deaf people start coming to church. And then we had Tom Hudspeth appointed here. and, And deaf ministry flourished. We have such a strong deaf community now. They're in their own worship service right now. We're so thankful to have them. We've even had a deaf school here. And, and it, it is all about people, everybody needing a place. About 18 years ago, a man named Kent Bicknell and I, we decided that Alpha was blessing our church, so the Alpha course, that, that we should take it to the prisons. And I'd connected with a prisoner named Royce Hall. And Royce opened the doors of the prison for us through the chaplain there at Pallage. And we, Kent Bicknell and I, we drove 100 miles one way to Pallage every week for 11 weeks. And during the midst of that Alpha course, there was an inmate there named Unk. And Unk had a prayer that I'm telling you, you could feel the Holy Spirit coming down when he prayed. And he prayed that, that, that God would transform that unit into a Christian unit. Before we knew it, we were not only going to that unit every week, but four other units, five units at one point in time. And 18 years later, 8,000 men and women have been brought closer to Christ through this church's ministry and outreach. And many of them, when they've gotten out, guess where? They've come to church. They've found a place right here because everyone needs a place. Yesterday I traveled up to Lake Texoma and was with those teenagers and we were talking about the church to seventh graders. You know, church is really, really interesting to children in the seventh grade in the midst of a big retreat center with a lake rolling outside and all of this sunshine going on, but they were attentive. One of our pastors, Jacob Kiga, stood up and he talked about experiencing God. And he said, kids, I was in the sixth grade before I had my first pair of shoes in Kenya. Let me tell you something. You could have heard a pin drop in that room as Jacob shared his testimony. And I was so thankful that one of our pastors could share such a powerful testimony about experiencing Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life, and what it did for him. And the highlight of that retreat, really, is when we send those kids out into the outdoors and we say, spend about 30 minutes writing a prayer to God, a letter to God. 
is the way we phrase it. And then one by one, they come and they sit in the principal's office. No, no, excuse me, with the pastor. And they read their letter to God. And they're a little intimidated when they come in, I must admit. But, you know, we get to talking and they get to opening up. And I heard some of the most wonderful stories and some of it was quite humorous. And, and it just was a blessing. I had one little girl come in. She went through Wesley Prep, a graduate of our own Wesley Prep, and she's in one of our most prestigious schools here in Dallas right now, and she's so smart. And she said, Pastor Stan, I love our youth group because we all come from different places. She said, if it weren't for our church, I would never have met Cadet. Cadet's one of our older youth now. He was there at the retreat too, helping as an older youth counselor. She said, before Cadet came to the United States and came to our church, he lived for six months in a place that was not his home. And he didn't have a clue where he would end up. And he came here. And I'm so glad, she said, that our group and our church has a place for everybody. Someone asked me recently, what do you count as your greatest accomplishment in the past 20 years of ministry? Now, you need to understand that I don't count anything solely credited to me. All the good that has come through ministry in the last 20 years has come through God working through all of us together. But in listening to that little girl, it reminded me of the greatest work that we have been about here, in my opinion, in the past 20 years. It's been about creating a place where Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life has become the main thing in what we share in loving all people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's been about creating a place where kids get it perhaps even better than we adults. That it is a blessing to be able to be with other people who you share very little in common with other than you're in the same loving place called to share the way, the truth, and the life with everyone. A church like God has blessed us with here is creating a spirit through the power of the Holy Spirit 
that reminds us over and over and over again. Everybody needs a place. And we have a story to share and a conviction of Christ's love and peace for all. Amen.